We've set a theme in this year for this year, focus on the one in 2021, and uh, based on the Ephesians 4 passage. Just to let you know that Rolf's preaching on this passage today down at Innisfail, so how about we pray for him too. Father, we thank you for Rolf, thank you for his uh, commitment to you and to serving you, thank you for the skills and abilities that you've given to him, and we pray that as, you, as he opens your word today in Innisfail, the church there, that Father, people will be uh, hearing it and responding to you. Father, we pray that you'll bless him, give him clarity of thought, help him to be himself, guided by your spirit, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, Lorraine's there supporting him, so I'm sure that he'll have some critique afterwards. Does that happen? Of course it does, doesn't it, Jeff? Yeah. I want to read this passage in uh, Romans chapter uh, 12, verse 9 through to 13. And in particular, I want to look at how we are focusing on the one in 2021. In particular, the one body that Ephesians 4 talks about. Whose body is it? It's the body of Christ. So we're focusing on Christ. And if we function as the body of Christ, then he will be honoured and, and worshipped by our willingness to serve him. So Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13, we're going to be looking at caring for each other. And if you've picked up on it already, last week we looked at following Jesus. This week we're looking at caring each other, caring for each other. And next week, Jeff is going to be looking at impacting the world. And uh, that's the mission statement of our church, has been for a number of years now. We want to make sure that in everything we do, we're following Jesus. It's not just man's ideas, but it's Jesus leading us in the uh, decisions that we make. We want to make sure that we're caring for each other. And this passage in Romans 12 gives us some ideas on how we should care for each other. And in doing that, we're honouring Christ, the head of the body. And then next week, we'll be looking at how we impact the world. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13 says this. This is Paul writing. He's uh, encouraging the Romans in practically living out their faith. From verse 9, it says, "Love." This is the NIV. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Do you agree that's about caring for each other? Well, it's even more than that, and we'll, we'll discover this as we go. Short story. There's a mum with her two kids sitting in church. Her little boy says... Uh, was, uh, was there listening to the preacher and the preacher was one of these emphatic preachers who punctuated everything by slamming the pulpit. I couldn't do that. But he was very, very uh, motivated. And he, they were listening to this sermon which was titled, What is a Christian? And all throughout his key points, he would emphasise it by pounding on the pulpit, what is a Christian? The little boy turned to his mum and whispered, Mum, you know what a Christian is? She says, yeah. Okay. So the next time the guy said, what's a Christian? He stood up and said, you tell him, mum. <laughs> because the little boy thought that he didn't understand what a Christian was, but his mum knew what a Christian was. I wonder what our attitude is when we... Um, I can't imagine what the preacher's response to that would have been. I didn't, there was, that, that was not in the story. Um, but when we 
relate to fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ? What's their attitude? Do we appreciate one another? Do we have concerns for one another? Do we allow one another to exercise the gifts, the skills, the ministry that God has given to people? Because we're part of God's family. And because we're a part of God's family, we're not to be conformed to this natural world. You know, we live in it, but we don't have to be conformed to the ideology or the uh, um, theology of this world. But we have a supernatural approach to life. And some of those songs that we sang there this morning, we're talking about our relationship with a supernatural God who chose to allow His Son to come to this earth to show us what the Father God is really like. We live as a family that is directed and guided by God's Holy Spirit. One writer has said this, supernatural living is transforming the outer life by the inner life being conformed to Christ's likeness. Would you agree? That if we allow Christ to change us, our mind, our heart, our attitudes, then it will show out in the way we do life. So we should be people who are living supernatural lives because God's Spirit's in us. So we live in this world, we're we're confined by the restrictions of this world, but our attitude attitude should not be confined by the restrictions of this world. Paul in this passage talks about love. So we're talking about caring for each other and love is the basis of that, isn't it? And I believe that there are certain things that we need to do first as individuals before we can see that caring for one another happen. If you were thinking of a body, you would think of the heart, you think of the, uh, the blood system. Well, love is a circulatory system, if you like. It's the, it's the thing that keeps the body moving and going and growing the spiritual body. It enables all members to be truly connected to Christ, first of all, and then to function together in that connectedness in a harmonious way. I believe that there are some responsibilities that we need to take on, first of all, personally, and then secondly, as the family of God, if we want to see this caring for each other happen. I hope I give you some practical applications this morning that you might say, oh, I'm not doing that yet. Maybe I could try that. Or maybe I could let somebody do that for me. So what does Paul say in verse 9? He says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Three things that you and I personally should be doing if we're to care for each other and, and also if we're to allow others to care for us. In the NASB translation it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil cling to what is good so the first duty or the first responsibility that we have we're commanded to love to love in sincerity without hypocrisy it's one of the greatest virtues of the christian life is to be able to love sincerely what does love mean it means that we need to be unselfish we need to be self-giving rather than wanting things for ourselves. we need to show willful devotion to someone or to God. Now, I've mentioned the word agape love. That's one of the words for, one of the Greek words for love is agape. And my definition, which I've developed over the years, and I'm sure I heard it from somebody else, is uh, total self-giving for the other person's benefit without any expectation of anything in return. And that's love, isn't it? What's our world say? The world says, I'll love you if I get something back from you. So our thinking has to be different to the world. 
we have to love because that's what God wants us to do without any expectation of anything in return. If love comes back to us, that's a blessing. It's a bonus, but it's not the reason to love. This Greek word for sincerity or hypocrisy is the word that's used for play acting. It's the word that's used for putting a a, uh, mask on. It's the word, sorry, that's my definition. It's the word that's used for hypocrite, isn't it? So we're told to love without being hypocrites. How do we love by being a hypocrite? We say, I love you, but really I don't mean it. I'm thinking that. So if we're saying, I care for you, I want to support you, I want to encourage you, I want to love you, but in the back of our minds are saying, I have to do this publicly so people see that I'm a good guy, but in reality, I don't really think much of you at all, that's hypocrisy, isn't it? It's putting on a mask, it's putting on a, on a uh, pretend or a pretense. It's self-centred rather than selfless. That Greek word says that we should be sincere, not putting on a mask. There was an issue in Jesus' life when Judas came over and gave him that welcome kiss. It was a show of sincerity, but really it was hypocritical, wasn't it? Because, in fact, he was leading the, uh, the, the, the uh, priest guards to come and arrest Jesus uh, for the price of 30 pieces of silver. We hear a lot about fake news... I think we should think about fake love and not do it. Our love should be sincere, honest. Fake love has, has empty words and empty actions. What else does Paul say there? He says, firstly, we must love in all sincerity. Secondly, we must hate what is evil. We must hate what is evil. How do we do that? In the Psalms, David wrote this psalm, Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. This agape love that I talked about before is not just blind sentimentality. It's not, um, I will do it uh, without knowing what I'm doing. God loves to the point where he hates evil. He loves so much that he stands against evil. Evil is the enemy of God and the enemy of love. I wonder, do you hate evil as much as God hates evil? Or do you tolerate evil? Many of the um, things that I hear in the community where people are in discussion about different issues, uh, whether it be political or social or, or religious... There's this incredible tolerance of evil. People are accepting things which are outside God's plan and certainly against his word. We're told that we are to hate evil, just like the Lord hates evil. And then the third thing that's a personal duty there for us to do is that we're to cling to what is good. Everybody's used cling wrap on occasion, haven't they? What's cling wrap good for? What's cling wrap good for? Covering uh, food in bowls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any first aiders here? What's what's cling wrap good for? Wrapping burns up? Yeah. And we know what it does. It clings to itself, doesn't it? It doesn't necessarily cling to the item. It clings to itself. 
Well, this word cling in the Greek comes from the word glue. So in effect, Paul's saying, be glued to what is good. Be glued to what is righteous. Be glued to what has uh, integrity and what is worthy. Do we honour the good that we see? Do we honour the good that we see in other people? One commentator wrote this about what Paul has said. He says, where are we? There. The good is whatever is true, Philippians reminds us. Whatever is honourable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever, whatever is of good repute. And if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on or cling to these things. So often our minds are distracted by the things that the world thinks are good. And we're, we're, we're sidetracked from what God says is good. If you have a chance, or when you get home, read Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Go through that list and say, is there something that I see that's honourable? Honourable. Is there something that I've seen that is lovely, that is of good repute? And honour those things, cling to those things, is what Paul's saying. Someone has said, you cannot hold a tight grip on what is good unless you hate what is evil. Otherwise, it's too easy to cling on to good, uh, evil as well. Personal duties. Where are you at today? Do you love sincerely? I hope there's no fake love in your life. Do you hate what is evil? The NASB says, abhor what is evil. Do you cling to what is good? I trust you do. Because that's the basis of how we care for each other. If we're doing that in our lives personally, then we can move on to caring for another, each other in the way that God wants us to. So this next point is that we have duties as the family of God. Paul highlights these in these next few verses, 10 through to 13. I'll read them again. It says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual server, fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. That one's not always easy, is it? Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. These verses tell us how we're to relate to each other, how do we care for each other, how to love one another. Let's see what we can discover from these verses. Verse 10. Oop, missed one. Go back. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Paul, in his writing to the Romans, sees you and I as followers of Jesus as having the same Heavenly Father. We're in the same family. We're in the family of God. We have the same Heavenly Father. Romans uh, yeah, next one. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. If you call God your heavenly Father, it's because of what God's spirit is doing in your life. And all of us who follow Jesus can call God our heavenly Father. We are part of one family. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter, chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, to whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. We are God's family. 
The bonds that unite God's family are more secure and longer lasting than, than those that bind our earthly family together. Jeff referred to a passage earlier. Uh, in Luke, uh, I think it was Luke's passage, Jeff. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. As Jeff explained, he wasn't saying that we actually have to hate our parents or our brothers and sisters. It, Jesus is saying that we have to put him first. We have to put him first. This word for um, the family is a Greek word called philostorgos. It describes our natural affection for relatives, like a, a, um, a parent for a child. And these words were originally meant to talk about blood relationships, but now, as brothers and sisters in the family of God, they talk about our relationships, that, that parental love for a child and vice versa. It says that we are to be devoted to one another. That's those words. There's uh, brotherly love, which is Adelphos, family love, which is philio. Be devoted, which is that storge or philostorgos love. We are to be devoted to one another. I wonder if you are devoted to one another in this church. Do we give preference to each other? Do we honour one another? I believe we can. I believe we're in the process. We've been created in the image of God and God's nature is love. So he expects us to live out his nature and make a unique contribution to the kingdom of God to the family of God we need to be quick to show respect quick to acknowledge accomplishments that others have quick to demonstrate genuine love not by being jealous or envious we need to triumph by putting others first that's different to the way the world thinks isn't it the world says I want to be number one I want to be at the top of the ladder I want to climb the ladder I'm not going to give any help to other people who are trying to do the same, trying to get ahead. Verse 11 goes on and it says, never be lacking in zeal. We don't hear that much, that word that much these days. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. That word, uh, never be lacking in zeal, could easily be translated, don't be lazy in your zealousness and your intensity in life. Whatever is worth doing in the Lord's service is worth doing with all your might, is basically what Paul was saying. Conscientious, careful, persevering with all our effort. There's no room for laziness or carelessness in God's work. No room for cutting corners. I believe that if, if there's slowness in our Christian walk, we're holding back God's blessing. We need to be zealous. We need to keep our spiritual fervour. Uh, the writer of the Hebrews refers to that very same thing. He says, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. Verse 11, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realise the full assurance of hope until the end. So you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. There's no room for laziness in our Christian walk. And the source of any zealousness or enthusiasm that we may have is not our own. It's the Holy Spirit who sets us on fire and gives us that zeal to follow God. 
we should be allowing him to do that in our lives. We're not to quench the spirit. We're not to resist the spirit. We're not to grieve the spirit. But we're asked, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to continually fill us so that we can serve God with enthusiasm, with energy. Verse 12 in that passage says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. If we want to care for each other, this is how we do it. What hope do we have as followers of Jesus? I believe our hope is eternal hope. It's the fulfillment of the word of God, both now and for the future. It's intended to stimulate us to joy and to prayer. I wonder, do you love the word of God that much? Do you read the word of God that much? This year we're going to be encouraging everybody in the next few weeks to read through the scriptures the whole Bible in a year. We'll give you a Bible reading plan to do that if you want to keep yourself accountable. But it's not so that you can say, oh, tick the box at the end of the year, I read the Bible. It's basically so you can get to know God better and understand how he wants you to live and be excited and rejoice in the hope that he gives us every day. Because being a follower of Jesus is not easy. We will face tribulation, we will face affliction when we choose to live on a supernatural base rather than the worldly ideology that's around about us. In Romans chapter 5, Paul writes this, talking about Jesus, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The ability to persevere, persevere through affliction or tribulation is not a product of our own human will or power, it's a product of God's grace and his spirit in our lives. And we need to trust God during those times. Why does the Lord allow us to go through affliction or tribulation? I certainly believe it's to draw us back to himself, to cause us to throw our lives in his, into his hands and to enjoy that communion with God day by day so that we can endure through the difficult times and see the ultimate end. Finally, this morning, Paul says that we should be devoted in prayer. It literally means to be strong in prayer. We need to um, persevere and be unwavering in prayer. Now, I've got something to show you this morning. Did I bring it with me? Yes, I did. On the 27th of February, uh, our church will be hosting the National Day of Prayer and Fasting. It's a national event that's happened for 10 years or so now. We'll be hosting it here for our region. Any of the churches or folk in churches in our region want to come uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's right, six hours. And um, it's a time when we can come and pray both for our nation, for our location and for ourselves. And I encourage you to be fervent, to be strong in prayer. Verse 13 says, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. There are a lot of our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, who have urgent needs. They're, not all of them are physical. Some of them are um, uh, spiritual. Some of them are financial. Some are emotional. This word, to share with God's people, is the word koinonio. It, it means to share or participate with that person, to identify with them in their difficulty. 
I wonder how well we're going at that. Some of us have a few friends and that's great. Some of us can only cope with a few friends, but a lot of us can cope with the more, more friends. But how well do we know folk in the church? One of the things that you might have been given at the door was this, the uh, church directory form, if you want to be included in the directory. And one of the reasons we encourage people to have their name and contact details in that directory is not so that we can hound you or send you texts or emails, it's so we can pray for you and care for you. Within that directory on each uh, family's name, there's a, a little box and the encouragement is to put a number in that box. It could be the number of the day, it could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and to pray for that person on that day. So we are being prayed for and we're praying for other people in the life of the church. Is that caring for each other? Yes, it is. So please, if you uh, haven't got your name in the directory, consider it because there are people praying for this church, for everybody in this church. The last thing that Paul says is that we should practice hospitality. Now, most of us don't mind um, going out for dinner or having people around to our place for a meal, but this is more than that. It's that attitude that the Jewish people had at the day. Uh, they would ask strangers to come into their house if they needed a place to stay. They would offer that sort of hospitality to people. We don't do it so much these days, but I think we miss out by not being open to that. Yeah, we have to be cautious, we have to be careful, but often those times when the new church believers were inviting strangers into their home, it was an opportunity for them to share their faith in Jesus with those people. So I wonder if we need to consider our homes and our tables as places of hospitality. Are we caring for one another? I think we're on the journey. Some of us do it really well. Some of us are just putting our, our toes into the water. And uh, let me tell you that we'll probably get burnt along the way. Uh, certainly Cheryl and I have in uh, helping people out over the years. We've, we've done what we know the Lord wanted us to do and um, we've been hurt or offended uh, in doing that. Uh, that's the risk you take. But Jesus didn't say, stop taking those risks. I think we have to be wise about these things. The bottom line is that the love, the care that we show to each other is not to be fake love. It's not to be a deception. It's to be real. And I found this picture of a bridge. Uh, where are we? There. Leonardo, most of us would know Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci as an uh, a, um, uh, inventor. He made this bridge and he says this, an arc, an arch, as consisting of two weaknesses, which leaning against one another make a strength. So let me see if I can get that right. Two weaknesses leaning against each other when it comes to a bridge or an arch, it's very, very strong. That's what God wants us to do for each other. He wants us to lean against each other. He wants us to develop that care for our community. He's designed it that way so that we as members of his church who perhaps individually are weak could be collectively strong. Ephesians 4 and verse 16, Paul goes on to say, For from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We need to be thankful for one another. We need to be thankful for our personalities, our characters, our characteristics, our strengths, our gifts, our abilities. 
We need to be there for each other, caring for each other. God has brought us together for a purpose. It's not, it's not by chance that you're here today or that you're here in this church. He's brought us together so that we might care for one another. And in doing so, the world will see the difference that Christ has made in our lives because we love one another. In 2021, let's focus on the body of Christ so we therefore might glorify the one who is Christ. If you're not sure where you fit in this body or what your skills, gifts and abilities are, please come and talk to Pastor Jeff and I. We'd love to encourage you. We would love to investigate with you about what God's made you passionate about and skilled you about so we can see you in service, whether it be in the, in the confines of this church or in the context of the church and the community. Let me pray. Dear Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are the one that gives us purpose for every day. We thank you that it was, as we focus on the one, the Lord Jesus, he is the head of the body. And we have a part to play. And a part of that is caring and loving one another. Caring for and loving one another. Father, I pray that there might be opportunities in the coming days where we can get to know each other better and where we can learn to honour and respect one another. Because in doing that, we are being obedient to your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before Jeff comes to lead us in the last part of the service, I want to encourage you. Uh, if you don't know somebody in church today and you don't even know their name, maybe it's the first time you've seen them, go over and say, G'day, my name's John. Don't say John if it's not John. Um, I haven't met you before. Uh, it's great to have you along today and see what God does with that. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs>